everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Creating More podcast. I am your host, Molly Steen, and we have our co-host, Susan Steen, with us today. We have our first guest for this season about creating more art. She is one of my dear friends named Katie Beth Thomas. If you have the pleasure of knowing this incredible human, you know how amazing she is. She is one of the most giving, loving, excited, and enthusiastic people I've ever met. And she has been such a huge advocate and supporter in my life around art and who I am. And she has loved me and I love her and we could not be more excited to have her join us. A few things about Katie Beth before we jump into her art is that she is an interdisciplinary artist working in Middle Tennessee. She works with fibers and locally sourced materials. Her primary source of inspiration is derived from the natural world and strives to use as much recycled, reclaimed, and ethically sourced materials as possible. She has worked in various industries and is happy to be creating multimedia art and teaching in a new studio space as of July 2022. Her main inspiration for her art practice lies in nature and the changes and evolutions in our daily lives. She creates work that treads between craft and photography while using natural dye techniques, traditional quilting, and printmaking. Taking a walk in the park and plein air painting with friends brings her joy. She is currently looking forward to growing flowers, volunteering in the community gardens, teaching and taking more art classes and workshops in this coming year. Katie Beth has been one of the friends that I do go out plein air painting with, where we will go pick a spot in nature and bring all of our paints and some canvases and sketchbooks and just paint either the scene in front of us or colors in front of us. We have had a lot of talks about what our art practice looks like and helping each other through that. And I love her so much. So here we go. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Creating More podcast. Woo-woo, creating more. Hey, hey Molly. Hey Molly. Today, and Susan. <laughs> we have one of my very close friends, Katie Beth, who I'm really excited that you are our first guest for the second season of Creating More Art. <laughs> Thank yes. you, Katie Beth. I'm so excited to be here. Because you have been, I feel like, one of like my biggest inspirations, my biggest encouragers with all of like my art endeavors and art shows and I feel like I've learned a lot of different like methods from you from weaving to the cyanotypes and I feel like you know we have just explored a lot together and you have taught me so much and so I love that we get to sit down and talk about you as an artist today. Amen. I fully agree. I'm going to try not to cry because that was a very sweet opening. Thank you, Molly. Um, I forgot that you took weaving class with me like so many years ago. And you said that. I was like, oh my gosh, we did. It was like my first time teaching and I was like, friends, will you guys oh come over gosh. to my house? This was in like 2016. 
18, maybe? Mm-hmm. You can turn around and see the yes. weaving that I made with you. First weaving ever. Beautiful. It's oh, still. I love that. Yeah, we should going. put a picture of that on the That'd site. Awesome. That would be awesome. It's outside on my porch, so it's a little dusty, but I think gorgeous. it still looks all right. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. I love it. I Yeah, thank you, Molly. You're the best. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited to be here, and I love y'all's podcast, so I'm just feeling very honored to be a guest and just like really excited to have a conversation about art. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be awesome. And we wanted, we wanted to talk to you about creating more community at some point, but I was like, I want to save her for the art one, you know, oh, because sure. I feel like you're really yeah. good at both and I feel yeah. like you have a lot. But you have a really amazing story, so I'm excited to hear it. Oh, thank you, Molly. <laughs> so first, I want to dive in. <laughs> yes, let's dive in. And hear about what your exposure to art looked like as sure. a kid. Yes. And like what kind of art you saw and how that's influenced yes. the art that you make today. Um, yes. Okay, so I am Katie Beth Thomas. I'm a fiber artist and I grew up mostly painting. I wasn't around any kind of fiber arts at all. Um, my family is very creative. Like I've got a great grandmother who paints and my dad's mom was also an artist and she made puppets, but I never saw her making them. I saw her like performing with the puppets and like she was just, again, very talented people in my family. Lots of talented women. My mom and grandmother are English majors and um, my grandma's an English professor. My mom's a librarian. So the immersion of like the idea of telling stories I feel like was always kind of a part of very young age Katie but like I loved books I love reading I loved um this one art book that my mom had that was filled with pictures of impressionist paintings I vividly still remember a lot of the paintings what a great exposure as a kid yeah it was a really cool you know just we had lots of books in our house lots of picture books and lots of great stories so just and I was encouraged from a young age to like do this thing that I loved and Probably my mom was like, you've got a lot of energy. Let's get you in some classes so you can kind of, ex- you know, expand some <laughs> of that energy. Um, but yeah, I think I started taking watercolor class with my good friend's grandmother. Her name is Pat Adams. Um, she's amazing. She's a watercolor artist. And for some reason, she wanted to teach us kids. So I was in a class with her granddaughter, my cousins, my sisters, um, Y'all, she played classical music for us. It was like a sacred time where we had to like stop giggling and like calm down and like sit down at the table and we would like have some still life flowers. We'd go into her garden and look at the flowers and we'd come in and do watercolors. As a kid, that was like, oh man, this is like, this is a real art class. I felt like a real artist at eight years old when, you know, obviously it was not a real artist, but I felt like I could do this, you know? I had that like, I want to do this, that longing, so. yeah, I was just, I feel very privileged and lucky that I was able to access the classes. My parents were supportive. You know, they're also creative, so it just, it worked out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think you are a real artist, even if though, even if you're just eight years old, yeah. you know. Yes. Like, that's what true. makes a real artist, That's right? true. That's true. <laughs> that is a question I struggle with my whole life, for sure. Growing up in a small town, there were no artists besides Pat Adams, this, you know, the grandmother that I knew. Um... And then, of course, you know, I think everyone growing up, they want you to have a stable job. So there were some moments in my teenage years where my mom was like, you can't do that. It's a job. And I love my mom. And she's one of my biggest supporters now. But yeah, that was hard too, realizing, okay, maybe I should do something more stable. And then saying, no, I want to do this full time. That was a big like moment for me in college to, yeah. So how did you come to that decision? 
well. Um, I was taking other classes. I took some psychology classes and I was of course still taking gen eds and I love science, but I'm not good at math. I, I shouldn't say not good at. I struggle <laughs> with math, as you know, Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also learned oh my nobody's bad at math. No. We have to reframe our minds. You're right. I can learn math anything. Math is wonderful. Yes, we can learn anything. It, I struggled with it and it yes. wasn't fun. So I'll say that. I, I didn't have enough patience to sit down. Does not spark joy. Does not. Thank you. So for a while, I was just feeling like, what am I going to do? And then I realized this whole profession of art, art therapy was, you know, a thing. I had been in therapy kind of off and on as a teenager because I've got Crohn's and I thought it was psychosomatic. So I'd had some experience with an art therapist. And I think it was my sophomore year in college, I realized, oh, I can do that. I switched my major um, from psychology to art history and then started taking art studio classes as well. And that was kind of when I said, I want to do art full time as a profession in my career. Um, My partner at the time and my now husband was very supportive. So with his encouragement and encouragement of friends and um, a few other people I knew, I was like, okay, um, I guess I can do this, you know, it's taken years to build up my confidence and say, yes, I can do this. I'm an artist because that's a scary thing to say, I think. So, yeah. But you it's are. Vulnerable. Oh Thanks. my! <laughs> Thank you. And you've done so many shows, and you just, you know, created your new studio space like recently. Yes. So, like, what did that transition look like from school to like? I know we met like through oh Starbucks, yes. through like the various jobs, like in between, to like yeah. make that definitive decision of like I'm gonna do oh art. Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah. it felt very like affirming like moving into this studio I was like oh my god like it's been emotional because I'm like this is what I've always wanted I love working in my house but I'm sure as a lot of artists who are listening and a lot of people who work at home can relate it's you know distracting sometimes when you're at home and my studio has been in my house for my entire you know the last decade right from being in school to where I am now I've worked in either my living room or my dining room or an upstairs bedroom and you're like, oh, I should do the laundry when you're in the yes. middle of working on a piece. And that's very distracting. And what you know, very. Molly, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so carving out time to work, that was, you know, good discipline to learn. But being able to go to a physical space, a new, my new studio, having everything set up the way I want it, having space to spread out, it just felt really spacious and really, um, like I said, affirming to all these things I've always wanted. So just, I'm very happy. I'm feeling a lot of high emotions the last like oh, month and a that. half. So yeah. As you should. Yes. It's a really it's a big, big deal. deal. It's a big yeah. deal. You're right. Thank you. I appreciate that. So how has it been? Cause something I've been interested to like mm-hmm. hear people talk about is like, I don't do art mm-hmm. like full time. I do it for fun. Oh I know you and I kind of started this year where we we're like meeting monthly to do like artist check-ins and like goal setting and stuff um, which was helpful and I feel like a lot of mine were like I don't know I'm gonna make this piece just whatever (laughs) I feel like and yours were very specific of like I'm gonna like you know apply to these shows and I'm gonna like you know research the Rutherford Arts Alliance committee and things like that yeah um and so I feel like our mindset was really different but like Mm -hmm. how has being like a full-time artist Mm -hmm. how does that affect the art that you make um, definitely more pressure, <laughs> definitely more pressure to like have the work be, I think at a standard, I've done so much experimenting because I'm working in so many different mediums that I feel like I've played a lot during the pandemic and I got my sewing machine out and made masks for three months and I did things that I wasn't planning on doing and wasn't thinking about doing, you know, in the past. And now I'm kind of getting back to, okay, a body of work a plan for a show, all these things that I want to get done and ideas that I have are kind of coming together now. It did feel like it's taken me a little while to kind of like 
organize the ideas in my brain to a, you know, place where I could say, okay, this is showable work. This is not me just having fun and being creative, which there's room for both of those things. In an art practice, we need both of those things. But um, yeah, doing art full time, you know, I have a wonderful husband, as I've mentioned, he's a software developer. So he told me, I think midway through 2020, he's like, okay, the pandemic is still happening. You know, I have an autoimmune disease. I'm on immunosuppressants. So I'm at high risk for getting um, any kind of, you know, virus, um, especially an airborne one. So he really was like, you, if you want to do this full time, I'm going to support you fully. You know, I had been working full time or part time up until that point in March of 2020. Um, and so when Daniel told me that, it was almost like a weight a little bit was like sure. lifted. But then I was also like, can I do this? You know, the questions of like self-worth kind of came back and I hadn't evaluated that when I was working because I was still being the productive, you know, in the capitalist society, we got to be productive and have a job. And, you know, um, so the last year and a half has been interesting to kind of think about, okay, my role as an artist is to do what? To document what's happening, to express feelings, to show people, you know, from my work, I want them to feel happiness and peace and be kind of transported to a place that is um, good. And I know a lot of what we're seeing in the world is really negative and really hard to hold and collectively grieve for. So I'm trying to create light and airiness and, you know, just the goodness and the beauty in life through my art. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a long answer. I love it. Okay. No, that well, I think that's great because I feel like we need to back up a little bit. Yeah. And so tell me about the art that you make. Like, okay. what mediums are you using right now? Okay. And what that looks like. So, I mentioned a minute ago that I have an art history degree. And I focused on, well, I've take, I took lots of classes. I went to Italy and studied abroad. I feel like I've got a lot of influences from that degree. Um, but my focus was in central and south native american like pre-columbian art so a lot of that includes pottery it includes weaving um anything that is like also prehistory really interests me so like think about the cave paintings right that we've got from prehistory you know 80,000, years ago. Um, I love that we as humans are drawn to create and that we're also drawn to like use our environment in that way. Like we're using the things, we're using the clay from the stream, we're making pottery out of things that are around us. And so my art practice is kind of informed by that, kind of informed by natural and nature and natural elements. So in my art history degree, I did study, you know, painting, weavings, all these other, you know, more traditional art forms but when I graduated my mother-in-law gave me some fiber she's a fiber artist this is my husband's mom her name's Ava Berg she has a fiber farm down the road from us so we're not too far away if you guys want to come visit anytime um but she raises goats and alpacas and she you know processes the fiber there and I've worked with her but she's just like this is my first introduction to it she just gave me some and was like Here's a little needle felting kit. Just like have fun with it. And so I started making little fiber, I call them fiber beads, but they're these little miniature fiber balls, which I think y'all have seen, you know, the fiber bead yes. garlands and things like that. Your earrings. My earrings, yeah, I started making jewelry first because I love jewelry. Um, so that was kind of a little just like I studied traditional art and I'd been, you know, painting and doing some fine art, but the fiber art kind of path opened up right after college when I graduated. And color was just fun to play around with and I was doing a lot of reading about color theory and mixing colors and so yeah that's I guess a little bit of what's informed my art but 
Yeah. So tell me about the dying. Oh yeah. That you do. also do dying. You're right, Molly. Thank you. You do a lot. We're, we're gonna dive into a lot of it. It's <laughs> so hard to list all the things. Right. I also work with natural dyes, um, and that's going back to my like reverence and respect for you know throughout history, all these different cultures that have worked with nature. Um, so natural dyes are basically just plant-based dyes, and again, throughout history, think about medieval colors. Almost all of that was either a plant dye, um, like ochres from rocks, or it could be um, from berries. We've got inks from walnuts, lots of different um, natural methods, all before synthetic dyes, right? Like the pre-1800s, almost everything was naturally, quote-unquote naturally dyed um, using plants or minerals or other things. So I dye clothing, I dye fabric, and I've got lots of different things that currently I'm thinking about making, but a lot of silk scarves, some bandanas, some headbands, some eye masks and things like that. So it's just something that I love playing with because again, I'm inspired by nature and I'm like, oh my God, these flowers give color? What? Like, it's just exciting to know that we can use the things around us to make color and art from, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of my favorite necklaces that I got from you or was gifted from yes, you. Um, the avocado yes, dye. Yes. It was a fiber art or it was like a fiber tassel yes. necklace and you use avocado pits to dye it yes. and the avocado pits made like this pink color which I would never have Perfect. expected yes, dusty, would come out of it yes. and then I know you've used um, like purple onion skins mm. and yellow onion yep. skins and just different things and it's like I love how you reuse things it's like almost like composting things so yes. I think about that a lot of like sustainability with mm -hmm. my art and mm -hmm. the materials I'm using right. and the impact almost it has on the environment I agree way. so I love that you totally agree incorporate that yes. into your art too I didn't realize till I was like in college that acrylic paints were plastic yeah and they do not break down very quickly no. like many plastics so when I found that out I was like oh my gosh like you said sustainability-wise, I was like, I need to be more aware and sustainable in my art practice. And if that's something that's interesting to people, of course, we can talk more about that. But um, I fully agree with you. And thank you for mentioning that. I really appreciate that. You're so sweet. And so then I know um, you are doing a lot of like cyanotype printing right now too, which you introduced me to, which I yes. love. Yes. And you were so excited to show it to me because yes. you're like, oh my gosh, I can see you using this in your yes. art. And I've I'm learning a lot. I feel like I haven't really mastered it at all, okay. um, but I love that you introduced me to that. So tell us about that practice and okay. what that's looked like. I'm really proud of you for just trying it because it is a very old photography practice. It's like the original blueprint practice, and that is how blueprint got its name because the cyanotype dye, when you mix the two chemicals, to, and it's not a dye, excuse me, it's two chemicals you mix together, um, and then you expose them in the sun. You can put plants or something else on top of them, and it creates a print essentially so people who do photography it's almost like you're taking a negative ex putting some solution on paper and then exposing it in the sun or under a uv light and then you rinse the print just like you do a photography negative and part of it rinses away and the part that stays is what was exposed to the sun so um i'm trying to pull up on my phone an article yeah, that I'm i looking, wrote I'm looking at all her stuff yeah <laughs> about the creator of sanitypes i think his name was john herschel i'm, I'm pulling up my right. website yep. yeah okay cool so he created this um as a way oh, you all are so far ahead of me <laughs> I, I read the 
directions on it, actually. I never read directions on anything, go, but I go. tried hard yeah. on that one. So. John Herschel. John Herschel was the gentleman, and I believe he was in England who created it. I'm going to pull it up. I think I he also created, like, the photographic, like, emulsion. Yes. Chemical. He did, wow. yes. In, like, the late 1800s. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he had a lot of influence on, like, photography. Sure. It was, yes. like, the original That's film amazing. photography. Yes, yes. you're like, right. Cre- like, discovering those chemicals yes. and, like, how they are, like, photosensitive and reactive to light. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Molly. I, I love that you know a little bit about him because it makes me so happy. Okay. Another thing I want to mention, Anna Atkins was a botanist and she used sanotypes out in the field. So her work, um, she published a book in 1843, y'all. And her work, I've looked at it a little bit online, kind of informed. Like, well, I was like, oh, I can just go outside, lay some plants on this and accelerate expose it. And it's just like my mind was blown because it's a living memory of a plant that, you know, I know we appreciate it in the summer and the spring and then it's gone. So interesting. <laughs> I'm going to jump in. Yeah. But... <laughs> So I was trying to uh, do a cyanotype print of my irises this year. Oh and some of the plants, you know, you can press them, mm-hmm. you can dry them out, and then you can use them later. Irises don't. I didn't no, know that. And so key. I did some oh, no. fresh prints of my irises, and they turned out so good. And then I tried to dry them out, and they just shriveled up into nothingness. And so I thought that was, like, a really interesting way to archive, Yes. you know, the Tennessee State flower that's one. It. Yep. And it's a beautiful flower. Yes, so yes. I thought that was kind of It's neat, perfect, so. yes. I did the same thing, not exactly the same thing, but my mom was moving from her house this past year, and I took some of her hydrangea because I knew she was going to be moving, and I just made her and myself and my sister a print. So we all have a print from her. She didn't dig up the bush, obviously, you know. She left it at the house. And oh, so, I love that. Oh, yeah, it's nice that you can kind of have that living memory of a place. And it's, again, it's an original photograph. So, yeah, it's really nice. Oh, I love that. Y'all are so creative. I love this. I love researching old art historical. What was her name? Anna what? Here, I'll hand you this. But it's Anna Adkins. Thanks. Yeah, if anybody is really interested in it, you can just look up the Wikipedia page for Sanotypes, and then on my blog, katiebeththomas.com, there's a journal part, and I've got lots of different blog articles on there about natural dyes, Sanotypes, um, creating color, just using different botanical sources, but yeah, my name is Katie, C-A-T-I-E, Beth, B-E-T-H, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S.com. Beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. <laughs> I love it. So how has your art process like helped you learn more about yourself? Oh my gosh, that's a question. That's a really big question. Um, I don't think I sent you that one. No, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I know I've got a lot of notes about color and um, okay. So we can talk about my, that too. We can talk about it in a minute. We can talk about it. So I have been doing art like by myself since that time. Like I said, when I was taking watercolors as a kid, because it was kind of. I guess I was using art therapy without realizing what it was. Like if I would have a lot of emotions about something, I would either go climb a tree and read a book with my cat or go into my room and shut the door and kind of like barricade myself in a little bit and just get my um, paints or my watercolors or whatever, had out pencils out and then just like do some emotional, you know, like I don't know what it's called, drawing, I guess, emotional drawing. Sometimes I would close my eyes and just like scribble and like do shapes and make things that were just kind of like the emotion on paper, right? Just to get the emotion out. So art has really been a tool for me to um, cope with life and cope with those hard emotions. Um, yeah, especially growing up. What were you going to say, Susan? Yeah, I just, I'm wondering, so how has, do you, st- 
do you still do that? I mean, like, what do you do today when you are feeling those emotions? I have done that recently. It's been probably, I mean, like a few months since I did that, but um, it does help me feel better. I think there's been a lot of hard things uh, happening in the world around us lately that we have a lot of emotions about. And um, I've tried to get better with also just like sitting with my emotions and doing a meditation. So I'm just feeling them wash over me. And if I need to cry, I cry. If I need to do some yoga to kind of work out, if the emotion's sitting somewhere body, I can kind of stretch and do some yoga and it, it kind of works itself out. But um, when I was reading about the trigger bans that were going to affect the, you know, the Tennessee trigger ban laws that have removed our um, access to abortion, I got very emotional and very upset, obviously. And took I think it was 30 minutes of just like I had my oil pastels I had some big pads of paper and I was just like coloring and just like making shapes and trying to with my eyes closed just trying to like get the like imagine the emotion and the pain like flowing out of my hands so is that why you do it that way with your eyes closed too it was more of just a I'm trying to focus and allow the feeling to like move through me and I'm at my house still so if I open my eyes I'm distracted by you know the clutter in the kitchen or whatever the floor that needs a little vacuuming so I close my eyes to kind of focus the yeah the idea and the intention I guess I just love that and I love that makes me want to go do that Mm -hmm. and just see what comes out Mm -hmm. I wasn't even looking at what colors I was grabbing I was just grabbing colors and so some of those um, pieces I ended up creating like paintings of them because I was like oh that's a beautiful piece and so I either did like a little drawing on top of it or I did a full watercolor piece on top of it and hit it completely just because I hate throwing things away so I thought I'm gonna reuse this you yes. know crazy uh, colored piece into oh, something I just else. Love so, yeah I think that's interesting because I also did some mm-hmm. color paintings mm-hmm. with my emotions Yay. from that good um like law that went into effect yeah. so yeah. I think you know, we've talked a lot about yeah. kind of like playing and just like putting things out there. Yes. But how does like color, so speaking of like colors, yeah, I yeah. know in that instance you weren't really specific about what right. colors you were using, but how does color mm-hmm. influence your art and like why do you choose the colors that you choose? Um, well, so sometimes, okay, I'll tell a quick story about my large yellow weaving. It's just like the first round weaving that I ever did. I was having a lot of dreams about just sitting in front of like, almost like a sun, like a big, yellow, bright, warm, you know, thing. And during that time, I was feeling not trapped in a job, but kind of tied down in a job and not feeling like satisfied with where my art was. And I think this was like 2018-ish. So I kept having this dream, recurring dream. And then finally I was like, oh, I can weave this and get it out of my head or I can paint it and get it out of my head. So I did both. And so sometimes these colors will just be colors that I'm feeling are weighing on me like I need more of this bright yellow orange color yeah. in my life and so I'll get it out on a um, piece of paper or in a weaving um, my work over the last year I've been realizing that some colors have like different associations for me so I worked with a coach last year her name's Ashley Trebu she and I I just came to the realization with her in one of our sessions that red was a color that was painful to me and I think I associate lots of things that are red with pain but then I started reading other cultures have red as a celebratory color like Mm -hmm. you know China um so I've tried to reframe in the last like year year and a half some of these colors and I'm trying to use red in a way that's positive and um mixing with other colors like pink and purple that like excite me and make me feel happy and joyous 
um, and like removing the label of negative from any color. I'm trying to do that as well. Just like, yeah. yeah. And I, Molly, you're great at that because all your pieces, like I love your quote unquote seasonal pieces where you've got like the beautiful red and orange leaves falling and then the next in the spring, it's all green and blues and it's just, it's very beautiful and inspiring. So well, that's what's interesting, which I know we haven't talked about it yet, yeah. but I was thinking about it as I've been reflecting on these episodes mm-hmm. is just the influence of color. And because I feel like that is like, you know, one of the biggest kind of like mm-hmm. feelings we like associate it with emotion so yes. much. And yes. I was just reading in one of my classes how, you know, people's like experience mm-hmm. is impacted by the cultural yes. like aspects of color. Yes. And like you said, like red can be like super um, offensive right. in certain cultures right. or right. it could be something like super beautiful and right. like uplifted mm-hmm. and how right. colors influence almost how we interpret mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And I was actually just driving yesterday back from Chattanooga, which is also why my voice is really hoarse today. Uh, been <laughs> going okay. all weekend, but great weekend. <laughs> Um, but I was looking at the signs driving home, you know, the exit signs on the interstate mm-hmm. and all the exit signs for hotels, all their logos were blue. Mm. And then all the exit signs for like fast food was like yellow and red, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we all know, right? Like yellow and red are like exciting kind of like food, um, driven like right. colors that we associate it with. But I just like had never really like noticed it before and it was just so prevalent just on those specific signs I don't think it's always like that but I feel like there was someone in the 2000s it may have been Martha Stewart do not quote me on that (laughs) but someone was like if you paint your kitchen red it'll make you more hungry and every person I knew had like a red kitchen or yellow right red and yellow or because they excite you And apparently, yeah, that's, again, a cultural thing. But um, I could see that. Blue is a very calming color, so that's why the hotels have the blue logos. It makes sense. Very, very much makes sense. I love listening to the two of you because you are such wonderful artists, and you're both so creative, and I love your art. Of course, I love everything about you. (laughs) But um, it's so neat to watch the two of you because you feed off of each other, and and what a great, I mean, so, you know, not only are you creating art, but you're creating friendship yes. and relationship through art. And so that's yet another avenue or another vehicle. That's a good point, Susan. Yeah. I think that if you have a really good friend who's also an artist who you admire, like Molly, very much admire her, you're just going to have that collaborative kind of communion, right? Anytime I come together with Molly, I'm like, I'm so excited to tell you all these things I'm thinking about. And I know sometimes we have our art breakfast and art brunches so we can touch base with each other and yeah, keep each it other helps. Well, It does. It's also helpful it to see because I feel like, you know, I get a lot of my inspiration from seeing what mm-hmm. other artists are doing. And so I like to see what they're working on. Yes. and. Like, I don't feel, I was thinking about this the other day, too, like, I don't feel like I've ever had, like, really an original thought. You know, I think a lot of my inspiration and things I'm interested in Mm -hmm. just are influenced by everything I've seen in my life. Absolutely. All the art I've seen, the books I've read, and the people I've met. Like, I don't think these are, like, Molly's Jean original ideas because, like, I'm constantly getting information from other people. Yes. And so I want all the information from all the people. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Amen. I cannot remember who, there's a quote by, um... Probably, it's probably David Bowie. It sounds like something he would say. But he's literally talking about how most artists are kind of trying on other artists' personas or, like, styles. Sure. And that's how you learn. You say, I love this person so much and I love their style. I'm going to take this one little piece of them 
and kind of adopt it as my yes. own. And that's how we grow. That's yeah. how all artists grow. Well, right? and I feel like no artist was made an artist on accident. Like no person is you know right. surviving on accident. We all have that like community that uplifts us and inspires us. And yeah, yeah. and I feel like it doesn't have to be like copying what they're mm-hmm. doing. But it's like you know when we're in school and learning about art, we learn yes. about the masters or right. like the contemporary artists, right. and then we kind of decide like, wow, that looks amazing. I'm right. gonna go you know, towards fiber art yes. or printmaking yes. or painting or whatever of based that. off of what we've been, like, introduced yes. to in yes. a way. Yes. I should say something. I didn't mention this earlier, but my family, especially my mom's side, was really big on museums. So that mm. was a huge influence in my early life. Wow. Like, we saw – my mom took me to the High Museum in Atlanta, and we saw some Monet's when I was in high school, and, like, the huge water lily canvases, like, I cried. I was like, mm-hmm. this is so beautiful, and then I went, my grandparents on my mom's side, Mimi and Granddaddy, took me to London as a senior trip, and my, oh my gosh. of course, my favorite thing that we did was go to the National Gallery, and I did not want to leave. I was standing in front of the Van Gogh's, like, the sunflower paintings, and just crying again, and you just, you were just moved by the beauty of, anyway, so... Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of that other people's art that's influenced my own, and, and that's the beautiful thing about life. That's how it goes, you know? Oh, I just love We're trying not to cry so, over here. So, so I'm sitting over here, of course, as, you know, as a parent, yes. thinking, man, I missed out on... You know, I didn't. I didn't expose my kids mm. that way. I did take Parker to a Guar concert. <laughs> yeah, that was a really big deal. And yeah. I, yeah, that's art. Yeah, heavy was, metal, yes. death metal right. music. That is art. art. It and is. They're in costumes, and yes. you know, and they're waving all kinds of interesting pieces it's around. Fun. Very fun. Um, but I think, I think that's something that I would want people to take away right. from what they're hearing. Right. Is exposure. Kids. Exposure right. really makes a difference. Right. And. You know, we've talked before about what you've been exposed to, and I just think, you know, if it's not, if it's not something that I understood mm-hmm. needed to be put out there, then then I didn't do it. Right. And I, I mean, I really want to go back and right. and and redo some of that right. for my for my kids and I even mean, for myself because I wasn't exposed. Right. You know. We're almost in like a little art desert here and I'm I'm not hating on Tennessee artists, all the Tennessee artists, I love them, but we don't have a lot of major art institutions. Right. So it's not like it's really easy to I was so asking maybe that's why to look I at wasn't art. Exposed. I would beg yeah. my mom to go look at like the High Museum trip. She probably found, but I was like, Yes, like exclamation wow. point. Because again, at that point I knew I loved it, but I wouldn't blame yourself. If your kids aren't yelling about art and wanting you to take them to painting right. class. I don't think it's something that yeah. eight-year-old boys are really no. super excited about. <laughs> no. You know, so maybe video games. But right. okay. That's another art form. Yeah, video games yeah. are their own wonderful, you know, art Okay, so you said, so name, so between the two of you, I'm, I know I'm co-opting this now, but um, name your, like, give me three places each that you would love that you've either loved visiting mm-hmm. or would love to visit. Um, okay. I, this is so much fun for me. It it's is like so much I fun. I have two of you now. <laughs> this is so great. Uh, there's lots of institutions all over the world I would love to visit. I would actually like to go back to the National Gallery in London because we only saw like a tiny, tiny amount of it. Um, but I mean, truly, any museum that has um, 
paintings from the you know 17 1800s or ancient sculptures we went to um some really wonderful museums when my husband and i were in greece last time also would love to go back to the acropolis museum and, and look at all the core statues and things like that um which if anyone didn't know the statues were originally very colorful and painted with natural pigments and dyes made from minerals and rocks they were not white anyway what about you molly i'm trying to think well <laughs> i can think of Three-ish. So the first one that came to mind is the River Arts District in mm-hmm. Asheville, mm-hmm. which the first time I went, I was actually with Katie Beth and oh. our friend Ashley, and we did a little, like, friends trip up there, and I was thinking, because it's all these, like, it's a historical area in downtown Asheville, it's, like, all these old buildings, and the artists have their studios in the buildings, but they're actively working, mm-hmm. and they have, like, almost a gallery set up yes. in the building, too, so they have their work on display mm-hmm. while they're actively oh, working wow. on things. It's so the coolest art community. You can go in, and you can not only look at their work, but you can talk to the mm-hmm. artists about it, mm-hmm. and I just remember being so inspired, and I was like, I could see the three of us yes. having studio space here, oh my gosh. And oh, making this that. work. It's and, a beautiful community. And yeah. I've been back, like, a couple times since, and Chip and I went once, and he was was able to talk to an artist for a while and yes. bought like a print from him and I just loved the concentration mm-hmm. of it and how it's so celebrated and also I mean some of the work was just very basic kind of like landscapes of Asheville but there were some really different pieces yes. like yes. jewelry to like paintings to yes just, and just crazy yeah, pieces. I still follow a lot of them on Instagram they're Same. so good yes there were several potters that I saw too when we were there that just were doing fantastic I mean not even native to North Carolina, but potters from other parts of the world that had come and settled there for the community. And their work was so beautiful and so unique and unlike anything I'd ever seen when we went in 2018. Um, I would also love to go back there. MoMA in both LA and New York, right, of course. I went there once, and then the Denver Art Gallery was really good. But the one place I want to go, which I'm really bummed because we're going to go to Europe in 2020, and then the pandemic hit, so that didn't happen, but we were going to go to... Giverney, Giverney, mm, however you oh say it, um, Monet's yes. home where he painted all of his water lilies. And like, I, <laughs> one day, hopefully we'll be able to we'll go. Get but there. I mean, that yeah. is like my dream is to yes. see his garden. So that's like one place I want to go. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love hearing you talk about it because you are, so, people mm-hmm. can't see you. We should do this in video. <laughs> and then they can see how you are just glowing. Yes. yes. Yes, you're beaming. I love that. I agree fully. What about you, Susan? Yeah. Where would you want to go? Or where have you where really have you been? enjoyed it? Yeah. You know, I I just haven't been to a lot. You know, I go to the Frist and see whatever exhibits they have. I'm a big Frida fan. Yes. I, um, I, I don't know. Um, I love finding little galleries mm-hmm. of yes. unknown yes. kind of people just because I think, and our friends in New York are really good about scouting out mm-hmm. places um, to share, which I love because, yeah. you know, I my mother is an artist, and um, but I don't remember being exposed as a kid, really, to right. anything except what she was doing, and so except for the dip of flour, which mm. was my favorite. Um, but, I mean, I wasn't... We didn't go to galleries, and right. so I don't know. But I, I think I just want to be more. I want to be more open to what's out there. I, mean, I love craft shows, yes. and you know, I love. I just love seeing creators with their creations. Yes, more than just 
this the cold gallery yeah yeah i agree artists yes okay i'm gonna also add the white oak craft fair coming up coming up next weekend oh my gosh it was this weekend technically september 10th and 11th um okay which this episode might not air for another few months but sorry everybody it's usually in september it's in september um, but i feel like I've found the coolest stuff there, and you get to talk to the artists, and you get to support local artists, and I mean, there's just beautiful stuff mm-hmm. there. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, local, I'm so. going. There's a, I know you're not going to. I won't be able to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's okay. There's a lot of great galleries in Nashville. Julia Martin Gallery, the Red Arrow Gallery, uh, the Copper Fox Gallery, all really good, and all have um, local artists in there, okay. in their galleries. Oh, so good. Yeah. I feel like any art craft fair, I'm yeah. like, so about yeah. it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I love just the creative. Thanks, Susan. Yeah, for asking. Awesome. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, thank you all. We could talk about that all day, probably. Yes. Okay, so I'll, <laughs> I'll step back now. Let well, I also want to know, kind of like, you know, we've talked about, like, your inspiration, mm-hmm. the, like, mediums you use, but how would you, like, describe your art process from, like, start to finish? Like, from finding inspiration to, like, planning to executing to, like, reflection and critique and, like, things like that. Like, do you have a process or do you just kind of wing it, you know? I do have a process. It's, I mean, again, there's been a lot of winging it because, again, I've been trying to do this for a decade while also working. So while I was working full-time, if anyone's working full-time and trying to create art, you can do it. I believe in you. I would get up and work at like seven or eight in the morning, you know, work while I'm having like my coffee and like breakfast and that's weaving. Usually sometimes I'd be painting in the morning, then I would go to work, you know, be there by nine. Um, and then a lot of times after dinner, I would do the same thing. Instead of like watching TV, I would sit in the room with my uh, husband and work like on a piece while he's watching TV or whatever, reading on his phone or reading, you know, books. So it is hard now I'm a lot more um I have a lot more freedom and I have a lot more time and that is also equally hard because you're like oh my gosh so much time so lately I've been writing down ideas as they come and that's in a specific notebook and I come back to those ideas when I feel like I've got the capacity to start something new um and then the sanotypes are obviously somewhat dependent on the weather because I expose them a lot of times outside and I'm often finding um local flora outside which is fun so my friends will give me plants that they like and I'll print things for them wedding flowers and things like that so it's been a mostly a spring summer early fall uh, process for the sanotypes I'm making a lot right now because I know winter is coming and I've got lots of plans for the paper pieces and I'm doing sanotypes on fabric as well so I'm planning on doing a lot of sewing in the winter and the fall once it gets colder um so do you have a question Susan no okay, no, okay, okay. like <laughs> I hadn't thought about fabric. Yes. Because uh, we've yes. done it together on, you've had, you've, because you've yes. been so good to share with us, but we do it on paper. Yes. And so that's, the paper is about it. the easiest. It is like to get a good print, you've got to have everything be kind of flat to the page. So with, if you're doing fabric, you've got to have something behind the fabric, you know, a piece of cardboard or a board, something stiff, and then you put your fabric down. It's obviously already been, um, dipped in the solution then you put your plants down then you put a piece of glass on top so if it's not completely flat you don't get as clear of a picture but that's okay if you want a little fuzzy edge that's fine um but obviously if you're doing a you know a photographic negative you'd want it to be right completely yeah so okay the weaving process right now is 
Um, I've got a collection of weavings and they're mostly round weavings. So that's just weavings on a round like hoop, kind of like an embroidery hoop, or you can get these brass hoops that I'm mostly using. Um, I like to make monochromatic colored weavings that are round weavings. So I'm currently working on like a purple and a blue one and another orange and yellow one because those are just colors this summer that I've been feeling really excited about. Um, but the process of making those again is looking at my yarn. Do I have enough yarn to finish this piece? If not, it kind of goes in the bin to work on later. And I'll go to either Turnip Green Creative Reuse or um, sometimes my friends give me yarn. Molly, I know you've gifted me yarn before. So I'll either just like look for some around. I try not to buy a lot of like new yarn. Um, I'm doing a lot of looking for handmade, hand spun yarn. So a lot of creators on Etsy, I'll buy from them. They're hand spinning. Um, but yeah, I that's... The creative process is difficult still because, yeah. again, I have so much time now and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much I can do. It's like endless possibility. So having like a show or something I'm working towards is always good. And I've got those ideas kind of always in the back of my mind. Um, but my day to day is like wake up, get things ready to go to the studio, go to the studio for four to six hours. I'll take a little break when I'm there and eat something and then come home and do dinner and do my normal routine. So having that space outside my house has been really good because I can have focused and I get into my flow and I wasn't easily able to access that at home not as easily able to at least but yeah so yeah I yeah. love it I'm just always curious because I feel like sometimes I have a vision and sometimes right. I'm like yep. I don't know let's yep. see what happens yep. which is most of the time <laughs> I get so. it. yeah I so. didn't know if like some people have like really specific routines of like step one think about things right step two brainstorm <laughs> step three execute no. i feel like the, the art muse whoever they are the, the art spirit you know mary oliver is always like i love that quote where she talks about if you didn't get the poem down you know it's yes. just gone right yeah. yes i love that because i feel that if i get inspired to do something i like to record it sometimes i'll start it but then i may not finish it i just want to get the idea kind of like started mm-hmm. and and court, sort of fleshed out either in writing or i'll paint it out um but yeah, it's every artist is, I'm sure, struggling with the practice. Um, but yeah, having the studio has helped a lot. So I'm nice. very thankful. And I will say this, Donna Magliacano is the artist who I'm working in her studio. It's called Acorn Haven Studio, and it's in Las Casas, Tennessee. So anybody listening wants to come visit, y'all can reach out to me on Instagram, or you can reach out to Donna. And uh, we're happy to have guests. And we have shows, too. So yeah. And it's a beautiful space. I love Thank it. Thank you. It's <laughs> in kind of like the wilderness of Tennessee, and it's in a beautiful barn, a blue barn. So yeah, it's really fun. It's nice to be amongst other artists as well, so in communion with them. Yeah. Sure, I would think that would really feed each other. It yeah, does. You know, yeah. Keep the inspiration alive. Yeah. yeah. I like to get critiqued, too. I walk over to my friend Caitlin Savage, who's a potter. I'm like, okay, do you think this looks finished? Should I add a little bit more gold here? Should I add a little bit? And she's like, mm, yeah. you know, she gives me her opinion. And that helps me kind of like. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because you don't get that when you're at home. Well, I'll ask my husband. Uh, but usually it's your <laughs> It's in my own head. Yes, I don't want to go upstairs and disrupt his work day. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is um, a very honest critic. So sometimes I'll take pieces home and be like, give me your honest opinion about this. <laughs> so that works too. But not everybody has that at home. So I'm also yeah, very yeah. lucky in that regard that he will give me his opinion. So. And then some of us are like, I don't need any opinions. <laughs> I'm just going to make it. So no, that's thank okay. you. Yes, that's okay too. Yes, I would like to get to that point where I don't need opinions, but I love critique. Yeah, I no, I do. I think it's helpful, which is yeah. why I always yeah. try to get more critique from you. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of fun though. It's it's yeah, not harsh critique. It's just enlightening, right? So yeah. So, can you tell us like what you want people to get out of your art and kind of like what it means to you? 
So I, that's a great question. Yes, I agree with Susan. I really, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, I really want to bring a sense of peace and calm in almost all my pieces because I feel like my internal struggle does not necessarily reflect that. And I know being physically where we are, there are limitations to, you know, like we've talked about the, um, abortion laws here so I think there's been a lot of like high emotions that I'm just feeling um I'm not trying to say they're not bad emotions but they're grieving heavy emotions I I do want to do like the opposite of that in my work I want my work to feel airy and light and and bring that peace and kind of awe like a sense of awe about nature I think your work does that really well I Mm -hmm. see every time I see my like new piece I'm like oh my gosh I just want to be out in nature basking in the sunshine with the leaves shadows on me like that's what your work kind of invokes so I'm aiming for that too right so it's true it's true I have to say Bernie and I will go out to the greenway Mm -hmm. walk and and I'll and I'll stop him yes wait I need to get a picture of these leaves because Molly would want this yeah I will I get it send me all the pictures of leaves yeah I think we three probably would do best on walks because we're constantly stopping to like take photos yes. of the shadows and the leaves and the we boys walk, may not appreciate it. Well, best as in, as in we will appreciate it but not best as like we're gonna be the fastest no at it because there's no work an hour yeah, yeah so. no, no exercise actually happening we're just admiring yes <laughs> um yeah but i mean i think the ability to like connect through art is like again an innate human thing i don't want people to feel like my art is divisive i'm not trying to make a political statement i'm trying to bring harmony and peace and oneness with nature and with ourselves because the vastness of human um history and and evolution is people working together to form communities to survive that is how we have all collectively gotten to this place and so I want my art to feel like a part of that and the handmade element to it like I don't want to feel machine made so when I'm weaving I almost often use very simple techniques that have been around since um I mean basket weaving back um in ancient Egypt is like again basic basic weaving it's the pattern basic is the name of the pattern but that's a lot of what I'm using in my uh, round weavings because I just want it to look simplified and focus on the color and focus on the textures and not be too busy or again like machine made looking I don't want to be perfect it's not perfect I might try to make it perfect but I'm you know not doing that anymore um so yeah I want to look handmade and feel like again like the handprints on the cave wall I want to feel like there was a person here and they made this and they took time and you know do you think that's like a reflection of kind of like your rebellion against our society right now maybe i was gonna say against the traditions of art history and studio fine art maybe yeah um well just like the capitalist machine of like mass production yes everything's like perfect and like this like weird thing of everything needs to be perfect and people need to be perfect right like well people are messy and there's a lot of imperfections and flaws to it so i feel like that it's a whole nother way to look at it yeah Yeah. you're right yeah i that yes i agree with you molly 100 (laughs) percent. the anti-capitalist in me definitely agrees with you and I, saying that though I do have to make money for a living I have yeah. to I have to make a living like all artists I think struggle with that idea right we don't want to be mass producing art just you know money for money's sake um one really important part of like why I'm creating art is so I can give back to individuals and communities that are impoverished and need help um, so I try to always donate a portion of myself like every quarter to an individual or like I said, some group of people, um, 
anyway, yeah, we could also talk about that endless, you know, for endless time. But how how has it changed it for you for art to be your full time gig? There is, like I said, a sense of like a weight has been lifted, but there's also like a sense of oh my gosh, this is a big deal because yeah, it because feels before it was a hobby. A yes, and, and so if you sold something, that was great, right. but. But like you were saying, but now this is your income. Right. I still feel like I'm grappling with it because I don't feel... So, again, when my husband was like, you can do this full time. I want you to do this full time. I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. That anxious, fluttery feeling. And so the last year and a half, I've tried to sit with why am I feeling that way? There's issues of self-worth that have come up. There's issues Mm -hmm. of things that people told me when I was a teenager. Basically, you can't be an artist. You can't make money from this. So that belief was really deep-seated in me. And for, again, all of my 20s, I believed that. And I worked part-time, full-time jobs and just did a little bit of art here and there because it made me so happy to be able to do that and share that. And now, again, I've been grappling with, oh my gosh, this is a, it's not easy. It's something that you've got to have some, um, you've got to be brave about it. You've got to say, like, this is an important thing to do. This is a necessary thing to do. And so that's some of my affirmations. You know, oh, I love that. Morning. And I was noticing on your um, social media, you yes. have a whole thing of affirmations. Yes. Which is so good. We all need affirmations, yes. right? So yeah. lately my sanotypes, y'all have seen them because you were at my studio opening, but I've been doing sanotypes that have affirmations yes. within them. So the way I'm doing that, if anyone's interested in doing this, is buying Xerox paper, the clear paper that um, you can write on with an Expo marker, and I'm just feeding it through my printer, and I've got, um, you know, like a Google Doc that has different affirmations on it, and I'm printing them out and then putting them kind of in between the layers so it'll be paper with the sanitype solution, that layer with the words on it, plants on top of that, and then glass on top of that, and exposing wow. it in the sun. So it's been, it's been nice. It's now, did you come up with that on your own? I guess I did, yes. That's wonderful. I, I mean, that's so cool. It's the same idea as a negative, right? It's, right. This, it's just words. <laughs> I know, <laughs> so, but yeah. to add that whole other layer is... Yeah. It's, for you. Yeah, affirmations uh-huh. that we all need. You know, that's kind of my one that I think I have with me is the no is a full sentence one, which I think yes. we both like. Yes. So, yes. yeah. I don't know if it makes it a little easier to stomach, but no, yeah. Some of my recent affirmation, um, one of the, the one that I have with me today is no is a full sentence and it has like the flowers around it. So it's just a good reminder that we all can set those boundaries and boundaries are good and. It's something I've definitely have been telling Chip too, where I'm like, you can say no. And yes. no is a full sentence. Yes. And I think people need to hear that. You yes. know? Or I need to hear it. <laughs> the people pleasers of the world need to yeah. hear it. So yeah, that includes both of us, I think, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be like a really like loaded question. Oh my but gosh. do you feel like the art that you're creating for other people is really like art that you need and kind of like what you need to hear in a way. Definitely. I'm like shaking my head over here. Yes, definitely. Um, I think that's all artists do, right? People write novels on things they know really well and maybe need to hear. It's the same with art. Um, Obviously throughout history, that has not been the art tradition. You know, art is like a snapshot of a moment in time, I think for a lot of like you know, large masterpieces and things like that, or they were, you know, commissioned specifically for someone to look the specific way. Right now I am focusing on art that feels good. And like I said, brings joy and peace and calmness. 
um, because that is what I need in my life. I, I externally don't feel that. Internally, I want that and I crave that and I want other people to have that sense of awe and sense of relief from the struggles of the world. So yeah, definitely. It was a great question. Yeah. I just feel Love like it. that's what we've talked about before. Yeah. Like we're making the art that we need or yes. writing yes. the things that we need yes. here in a way, but then also putting it out there is so important to do because I feel like it's it's easy to have that doubt and kind of be afraid of how it's going to be received. Yes. But then you find the people who need it and people need to see it. Very true. Very true. I struggle with that too. Like what is important enough to show, not important, but like what is quality work that I want to share and show with people. I have a lot of pieces that will never see the light of day because it was either just not the right message or just a little not quite bright enough, not quite the right color, whatever. And yeah. so I think we all have that junk drawer in our art studio and that's For good. Sure. That's good. It's good junk to have. Closet. Junk whatever. closet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that you would want listeners to know about your art or just like you as a person before we do some rapid fire questions to round out our conversation um I think if you're like an artist or someone who wants to call yourself an artist but don't feel brave enough just do it you don't have to say it out loud just start doing it in your head just start writing it down just say I'm an artist I am worthy I can do this I love you know sharing my art with people and like having that positive inner voice is really important because I think for a long time I had a negative inner voice because like I said I had picked up those things that people probably told me and didn't even think about like the Mm -hmm. you can never be an artist I'm sure the person that said that never thought that would I would still think about it internalize that yes whole life right right um there's Willa Cather talks about how a lot of writers write from like the first 20 years of their lives Mm -hmm. and how that is a big influence on our work so I feel the same way I grew up with like I said very creative family members and my mom and grandmother had like beautiful gardens and I always as a really young kid was in awe of like the flowers and the structure and like the colors of the flowers and just playing in the gardens so I have really um, happy memories of those times and I think that has informed if you look at my art today you can see how that's informed it a bit and I'm sure it's the same for you because I know your dad is an avid gardener as well so yeah yeah and nature of course we're in like such a beautiful place here in Tennessee so there's a lot of inspiration all around us but so yeah get your kids outside if you don't have a gallery or museum or something you want to go take them to go outside and just like play you know Yes. 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 <laughs> you said this too. Yes. yes. I think, I feel like I keep coming back to the play part, so I'm going to not go there because I've talked about that in like four podcasts now. But um, it's important. It's really important. I mean, that's the same thing. Like having a positive voice and being able yeah. to play. I could not play for a long time, I felt like, because mm-hmm. I had an idea of what I should be doing as an artist. And when I wasn't able to replicate that, either in like a drawing or a painting, I would get kind of like shut down. And this is like pre-fiber art Katie Beth, right? This is like when I'm in school trying to learn new techniques and I wasn't feeling confident with them. Um, So having positive self-dialogue, practicing that affirmation or inner voice that's like, you can do it, has helped me a lot. And also, like I said, being exposed to other artists, having a community around you has helped me hugely. So yeah, find your community for sure. Find your voice. I love that advice about being afraid to call yourself an artist because I also have felt that way for a really long time, Um, which still even now, I guess I always felt it's like, 
oh, I just make art. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not an artist. It's a qualifier. I just make art mm-hmm. for fun. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But then, like, really just like, no, I, I, I am an artist, you know? You and I get snobby about it in a way. But I feel like... You're just being, like, proud of yourself. Yeah. That's it. You've said this to me before. And I'm like, no, Molly, you are an artist. Like, years ago, you're like, I just make it for fun. I'm like, no! Yeah. You're an artist. I'm still an artist. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you for that encouragement. You're thank welcome. you for that advice. Because I think a lot of people need to hear that of... And that's something we talked about a lot, like, on the first season of, like, the who am I? Yes. Like, you know, some people have done this better than me. Right. Like, you know, I'm just oh my at this place in it. Like, I'm not at that place where I think I should be or yes. my work isn't yes. where I expect it to be or where society expects it to be or where I expect society expect, you know, whatever. Yes, all the expectations. Yeah. yeah. And instead of just, like, letting it go and just owning it and yeah. doing it because it brings you joy yes. and because you want to do it and, right. like, right. accepting that it is enough that you're right. doing it right. and you don't have to be at that, like, future place in time. Yes. You can just do it right now yes. and make it the best that it can be right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. I think different cultures value art differently. Yeah. And our culture does not – I mean, some artists – let me back up. Musical artists are highly valued. Yeah. Actresses and actors are highly valued. Some writers are highly valued. But if you tell someone you're an artist, they're like, kind of, you get the disappointed face or or the curious face, like, is your art any good? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I think it's good, but art is subjective, it right? Is. So yes. it's just, it's just funny how, um, depending on where you are in the world, it, that is, you know, either easier or harder to say, and also depending on who's around you. Because if I had said, I mean, again, I did say that as a child growing up in rural Tennessee, there were a few people who were like, yay, and a few people who were like, no, you can't do that. So it's just, it's hard. But I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of everyone who's thinking about being an artist, and also who's an artist today who's fully owning it, because it's important to be artist. Oh, um, yeah. 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 The storytellers, the way we, I mean, literally everything, right? Like, the way our history is recorded is through artists. Um, all the, like, paintings we have from some periods and times are, like, the record that we have of this thing happening. Art is just hugely important, and I wish that it was more value, valued in our society. I think we will get to a place soon, hopefully, where it is more valued. But finding the value in yourself is first step, right? It is. It is. <laughs> For the society and I, to change. And I want to throw in, because you were you talked about the handprint on the mm, cave wall mm-hmm. and and last season Molly was talking about that was what was it that's when we knew that humans were well it's like whenever um well because like there's so many there were like five or six kinds of humans living in the world like at one point but it was like that's when kind of like homo sapiens yeah. like really stood out yeah. from like the other humans yeah. and it was like that first kind of like testament to like humanity being like we're here right. like we're yeah, expressing right. ourselves right. and like yeah i just love that yeah. and i love so that you brought it up today yeah. i'm like i love this is gonna just follow us yeah. this yes. is great yes it's the like core of what like humanity is right like we were here with molly yes molly said yes we want to be seen um i just want to tell you recently this was like in the last couple months I read some of those handprints may actually have been Neanderthal. Yeah. Right. So, like, Homo sapiens, Neanderthals living together, potentially, and also making art together. Just the coolest thing. Which, I guess, I don't know exactly which, you know, species it was or whatever, um, but that was kind of, like, that definitive moment of, like, humanity is here. Like, we're not just, like, an animal anymore. Like, that's, like, our humanness that, like, differentiated us. I just want to throw in that I have 90% more... Uh, Neanderthal uh, 
DNA than <laughs> well, they were superior to maybe Scandinavian. So it probably it's, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're actually much more smarter than they did. Have Indians. bigger brains. They did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Indians were just like way more <laughs> aggressive. So I was scared proud. It was like, Susan, oh my gosh, this is why you write so well. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> big it's brain genetics. Yep. <laughs> Let's do some rapid fire. So we're gonna throw this in the season. Okay. Yeah, I know. I love rapid fire. The hot seat. Dun, dun, dun. So excited. Okay. So, who is your favorite visual artist? Mm, I that is the hardest question you've ever asked me because I have <laughs> like hundreds. <laughs> oh no. Okay, so I'm gonna throw out someone that not everyone probably knows. Lenora Feeney. She was a surrealist artist um, who worked in Mexico. And her work is really about the experience of living like in a human body, but also she had some mental health issues. And you can see that in her work, kind of like Dolly. Um, her work is, you need to just look at it. Lenore Feeney, everybody check her out. Lenore <laughs> Yeah, there's so many visual artists. She's the first one that came to my mind. She's fabulous. Love Very it. Cool. I haven't heard of her, so I'm excited to She's check cool. that out. She's cool, yeah. So this is gonna be really hard. If you had to describe your art in one sentence, how would you describe it? Mm. Mm. Oh my goodness. Okay. So can we come back to that question? Okay. Circle around. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm okay. not going to wrap it up. I fire. told you, you said the first question was the hardest question I've asked you. I was like, just <laughs> that, wait. That's it. You're rapid right. fire is hard, okay. y'all. Okay. It Luckily, is. I wrote them, so I did pretty well <laughs> on my rapid fire. So. I did. Molly, I love you. Sadly, so, um, I didn't study them. So we I wrote them together. <laughs> Um, anyways, so uh, what is your favorite book or your favorite mm. author? Okay, so many favorite authors. Um, oh my gosh. Favorite book is hard because I love sci-fi and I read some um, sci-fi growing up. And of course, like Little Women was one of my favorites. But right now, uh, thinking about like Virginia Woolf's A Room for One's Own or maybe Bell Hooks All About Love. Both of those are really great books and I've read reread them both recently. Um, Molly, there are so many great, I wonderful books. Oh my yeah, gosh. It's hard. Those I are, yeah, yeah. Love it. Leave, yeah, leave those two. <laughs> Virginia Woolf, Room for One's Own, and Bell Hooks All About Love. Both wonderful books. Awesome. What is your favorite season? Um, ooh, probably right now. Probably, you know, it's like my birthday season, so it's the transition from summer to the harvest fall season. I'm always a little sad, a little emo girl inside me comes out, a little melancholic, yeah. Um, but I also love it because the leaves start to change, and so I think it's the most beautiful time of year because mm-hmm. I live in Tennessee, and there's all these gorgeous trees that are turning orange and yellows and reds, and it almost feels magical and otherworldly. It like, does. It does, yeah. It's, I, I, we need to go to Asheville soon just so we can make the drive across the go. state. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. Thank you for asking. So describe your style in one word. Oh my gosh. Or I mean, like a couple eclectic, words. Eclectic? <laughs> a mix of styles? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm inspired. it's inspired by nature, but um, I also love bold color, as you know. So yeah, eclectic. Love it. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> When is a time that you felt completely alive and present? Oh man, that is also a hard question. You're right, these are all hard. Oh my gosh. Um, so, I mean, in art making, I do feel completely alive and present. So working on weavings, uh, definitely. I think a lot of times I'm always thinking, oh, I'm gonna enjoy this art show that I'm in so much, but in reality you're there and you're just like, this is an out of, out of body experience, mm-hmm. right? 
all these people looking at my art. So I think in the art making, I feel more alive and whole and connected and grounded versus like showing it and mm-hmm. talking and, you know, yeah. interacting with everyone. I get that so much, yeah. which I like showing and selling my artwork, but I would rather be at home making it yes. than yes. talking yes. to people about it. Yes. So I get that Amen. a lot. I have one more thing. I know this is Go supposed to be quick. Okay. <laughs> my husband and I, we got married last year in the Redwood Forest in California, and that was probably the most grounded I've felt in a really long time, being in public, <laughs> being out around people. But it was like a sacred, special ceremony, and we just, you know, we, we loved it. We had a great time, but it was like just feeling the sense of euphoria wash over you during the ceremony and after the ceremony. I just, there's nothing like it being in awe of those beautiful big redwoods. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. I'll marry your yeah. best friend. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It, was, it was great. It was a good time. Okay. We're going to circle back before the okay. final question. Yes. Um, number two was the one I skipped. Art if you sentence. had to describe your art in one sentence. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, okay. Well, you kind of did. I already have. Yeah, nature-inspired, yeah. bold colors, monochromatic. I Ooh. love a little bit of whimsy in there, a little bit of gold, a little bit of, you know, just Ooh. flower petals look like they're drifting on the wind. So that was more than one sentence, but there you go. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> Ethereal. That's a good word. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good one for, yeah. like, in one sentence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A description. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll do Ethereal with eclectic. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What are you most looking forward to with your art coming up? Okay, I am currently working on a body of work that is about the soil and the like microbiome of the earth and the role that like earthworms play and mycelia networks and trees. So I have talked to some friends about it. Molly's heard about it. Um, I have a friend who's owned a gallery in Nashville. I've kind of just bounced ideas around with people and I'm trying to find a good space to show it in. I've gotten a lot of drawing done. I've started some of the pieces. Um, There will be earthworms that have been cyanotyped and are gonna kind of be crawling along the wall and the floor. And then I've got my big round weavings that have got some LED lights woven into them. Um, So I want it to feel like I want the presentation of the show to feel like you're in an underground um, tunnel almost made, you know, not for humans, but by these teeny tiny, you know, little creatures that we don't even think about, but that in reality are the foundation of keeping the earth um, and the soil alive because without them, flooding happens because the soil gets compacted. The only way that water can flow through the soil is by these channels that earthworms carve in the soil. And obviously, you know, the trees and mycelia networks have a, a lot to do with that as well. But I don't think that a lot of us think about the importance of preserving this life and you know I'm not anti-pesticide I'm not anti-gmo but we do need to understand that when we use things like that they seep into the soil and have Mm -hmm. neurological effects on creatures like earthworms so that is going to be damaging for generations hundreds of years after the plants that we sprayed the pesticides on have been consumed right so just I always try to buy organic when possible because of soil ecology I don't want to damage those environments where the plants are being grown anymore so if you have the privilege um and the ability to buy organic always do it so yeah that show is gonna be really fun though to bring it back (laughs) yes that was amazing thanks Molly (laughs) it'll be it'll be a good show I want people to feel like they're tiny you know I want the show to feel like these creatures and microbiomes are really big and we're just kind of 
observing as a yeah but the thing is is we are really tiny yes. and those things are really big yes. but for some reason humans just think we're gods yes. and we yeah. can do anything yeah. and we, we can kill all the neanderthals right. and take right. over the world right. Right. <laughs> right i think being human-centric is fine but remembering that all these ecosystems are really important for life in the oceans and you know under the dirt to be sustained like we've got to take care of the earth that's our responsibility as human beings so instead of like us being separate from it yes. we are a part of it yes. which is what yes. we just talked about yes. a couple weeks ago they, yes i know y'all are always doing a great job on these podcasts i love them I'm almost always crying at the end of it and so Aww. yeah i'm always happy to be here and talk to you guys this but is so great this, this is amazing this was good thank you but guys i think for just what you were saying um i think about the the web mm-hmm. telescope mm-hmm. and and really realizing how much more how much bigger it all is right. and how small again we are right um so I just I think this yes. show is gonna be great. Thank you. I hope that I can get it done by like next spring, next summer. And like I yeah. said, I'm looking for a place to show it. So um, I've got some ideas, but um, It'd be a great yeah. Earth Day kind of it would be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. I'm excited Thanks, well, to check it out. Yeah, I appreciate it. Support either it. So. Thank you. We love Thank you. you. Thank you for being a part of the conversation you. today. Thank that's you guys great. for having me. This has been so much fun. I love talking to y'all and doing it on the podcast. It's even better. So you're just the best. So it's thank you for hosting. It'll be here forever. Mm-hmm.